Welcome back to Mysterious Goings On. Hey, it's me, Alex Greenwood, your host, and here we are again in the midst of a pandemic, <laughs> as opposed to the, the last episode, when we weren't in the midst of a pandemic. Of course we were. It just feels like it's been there forever. And you know, there are effects on all walks of life by this, and don't want to minimize the effects that it's having, obviously, on healthcare and on the lives of people who have contracted the disease and, God forbid, have been killed by it or family members but there's also things in to the the larger level of society that are being affected by COVID-19 and one of those areas has a lot to do with all of us and that's the food service industry and I'm talking everything from food service industry people who cook your food deliver your food right now curbside delivery whatever those folks to the the suppliers up the supply chain to the manufacturers who create food service products and in that vein, if you're a longtime fan of the show, you may recall that we had a really interesting talk with Brian Hutton, who is a food service product designer with heavy marketing experience and business development experience in the food service industry. He gave a great interview. If you haven't heard it yet, it's in an episode called The Restaurant's Invisible Man, which, by the way, aside from a couple of my monologues, is the most downloaded episode of Mysterious Goings On. It tickles me to death to know that here's a story or, or, or a podcast about creativity and writing. You know, it, it germinated from there. Pardon the pun with germination, but it started there. And then a guy who designs food service products is actually the most popular episode. It just, I love that. And so that's why when I thought about COVID, I wanted to bring Brian back and talk to him about the things that he is seeing now in the industry the things that are interacting with you in the industry as a consumer and what he foresees happening down the road. Welcome back, Brian Hutton. Thank you. As an invisible man, you actually don't know I may have actually been sitting here the entire time. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> this is where i need to go track down the claude rains drop in of him screaming is the invisible man you know oh my gosh i'll show you who i am and what i am <laughs> look he's all eaten away huh? how do you like that How are you doing? I, I'm doing well, sheltering in place, uh, you know, doing doing my best to socially distance and, you know, keep our our fa family safe and, and those that we interact with. So who do you, now where do you work? Maybe you tell everybody where you work and what you're sure. located. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm in the Chicago area with a company called uh, Tablecraft Products Company. We are a, uh, uh, we design manufacture and import a range of, of small wares is, is the type of products we call it for the food service uh, and retail industry. You may have seen our products. Uh, we, we also sell to uh, retail department store channel as well. 
Uh, but uh, primarily small products. Our most popular items are are things like squeeze bottles and baskets. But we support uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of restaurants and and uh, and and people who who use the products at home as well. Now you're a designer and you you hold partially or part of a patent. I know on on some design on a design and you but you've Correct. designed how, how many products would you say over your career you've designed that have gone to market. Uh, I don't know. I would say in the in the thousands, probably certainly hundreds, Uh, and and that's a mix of products. Some some that were uh, um, that I designed from ideation all the way through items that are minor modifications to to existing products in the market. So we discussed the last time the Better Burger, um, which is in a lot of burger joints or, or a lot of restaurants sure. that serve burgers all across the country. Co- so that, co- it, Correct. And that, and that, that's really a more a generic term. It's been very popular for burgers, for sandwich, farm to table appetizers. There's a, a range of products uh, there. So, so the, the type of restaurant, even though it was initially inspired by the better burger segment, it's actually grown far beyond that. So. That's fantastic, man. Uh, yeah. Well, if you want to learn more about that stuff, uh, go back to that episode I mentioned. There'll be a link in the show notes at mgopod.com. Brian, let's just get right into it then. I, I, and I don't. I know you're very busy. I don't want to keep you super long here, but I had just a few questions mm-hmm. regarding COVID nineteen, sure. obviously. So right off the bat, and I think most, well, I think all listeners want to know this one: How is this currently affecting consumers? And then we'll go into looking down the road. But right now, what is what has happened? Let's say this. What has happened between February and April 2020 in the in the industry? Because this has been seismic. It's it's huge for the food service industry because you th- you think about delivery and curbside as a percentage of total restaurant sales. It, it was a very small portion. So all of the in-store sales dining sales in most states just disappeared. So that left a, a huge gap. Some of the fast food had a fairly significant portion that was drive-through business already, and that is able to continue. And so so fast food is, is able to weather just a little bit better. However, yes, the industry as a whole is, is being significantly impact uh, impacted with double digit drops in sales in customer counts it's uh, it, just extremely dramatic and some are responding with just closing the stores temporarily and furloughing employees uh, and then as we'll talk so, you know some are reacting in in other ways to try and build business and then some are using it as an an opportunity for philanthropic a- a- activity and 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 helping others so so i think a lot of people are reacting in different ways but to your original question yes it's it, you know imagine there's in the us alone this isn't globally in the us alone there's about a million restaurants so uh you know you're talking about tens of millions of of uh, employees, it's the you know the single largest I- employment segment in uh, in the country is 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 this segment. So it, it's just being it's being hammered because of COVID. 
Is the um, delivery and curbside, to your knowledge, and, and, and forgive me if I'm asking you something you just don't know, but at least you can extrapolate, I would assume, bearing on your experience in the industry, but is curbside and uh, delivery, is that helping these uh, the industry as a whole just limp along or are they are there are there people thriving i know you mentioned that fast food always has drive throughs but i'm talking mm-hmm. a little bit about um maybe more local local type restaurants and enterprises sure. or, or chef driven enterprises or things that aren't typically delivery or curbside right so so i would say what we would call a full service restaurant so where their primary business is in store dining uh those are the hardest hit and those are the ones that are trying to turn to uh, curbside and delivery as as a, a, a you know, a way to to limp along. So so that's that's one. Fast food has uh, they do continue to have drive through, but uh, but some have expanded or attempted to expand their delivery or by waiving fees, uh, making it easier to, to order, do those type of things. So they're, they're trying to recover some of that lost in-store business. The third group is is a, a small, very small group, but a group that was growing. And that was businesses where their model was based around delivery to begin with. Uh-huh. And so those those are called ghost kitchens and uh, or where where they would sometimes in a shared kitchen environment, sometimes in a in a you know single uh, single proprietorship environment would make meals specifically for ordering. So they have no dining room whatsoever. It's kitchen only. Uh, and those uh, those have seen uh, an increase in business. So, so they're, they're doing extremely well in this environment because their, uh, you know, their existing customer base was already designed around delivery. And so, so they're doing extremely well. And I have no reason to believe that, uh, curbside and delivery, even if the pandemic, uh, as it ebbs and flows. And I think at least until we get the vaccine and herd immunity develop, which could be another let's face it, two years, this is going to become the, pardon the tired, cliched phrase, new normal. Is that correct? Um, I, th- I think so. I, I th- the, the transition will be as, uh, w- would be if people are allowed to come back into public in some way, shape, or form, I think the restaurants will then react by uh, spreading tables apart, trying to maintain social distancing while allowing patrons to come in um, and and do some things like that. We can uh, and maybe delve into that as well. It was like a food safety first mentality. Um. Co- correct. And so, I mean, in my vision, I see, yes, uh, not only doing social distancing, creating barriers at to-go and mm-hmm. takeout and payment and host stations, uh, doing visible things that just build confidence. So that would be uh, staff wearing masks and even wearing gloves, which yeah. uh, there's a big debate about right. whether or not to wear gloves uh, because it, it gives you a false sense of security uh, if you're wearing gloves, a lot of restaurants had gotten away from gloves in the kitchen 
but and just promote good hand washing technique well, yeah, instead. Because you you can wear gloves, but then you I've seen people wear gloves and then they they handle the cash from the cash exactly. drawer and then they go right back right. to it's i've seen that at well i won't say i've seen at, that at a number of restaurants yeah. sure or or even if they take the gloves off and then put them back on they're now grabbing the outside of the glove which right. is the contaminated <laughs> they did contaminated the outside portion just and, maddening, and not grabbed it? yeah it but, is it, but, but the, okay so let's say we do let's say this summer there is a dip and there's more testing and people can but are we talking about, do you think, getting uh, your temperature taken before you're allowed to enter the restaurant? And and then secondarily, how do you eat with a mask on? That's, that's a good, all, all very good questions. I, I, I don't know. I would think that they may, uh, that may be an environment where you would mask coming in uh, or have uh, some sort of shield or the staff is masked, but you would unmask while dining. I, I, those are all very good questions <laughs> that, that I don't know that anyone has the answers to. Well, um, I would say there's probably, if we loosen up some of the regulations in the summer, that would be a perfect time to encourage outdoor dining. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I know, but I know for for my family and I, we will probably still do to go and curbside uh, much more frequently. Um, it's going to take a lot for me to want to eat in public uh, again anytime soon. Like I said, until I, I'm just crazy about making sure we're okay, and I don't want to expose myself unnecessarily to anything or my family. Uh, and until we know testing, especially what I mean, for all we know. Brian, you and I have had it, or we have it, and we're asymptomatic, and that sure. we could be putting lives at risk. This is what I think a lot of people don't, I'm not trying to be political, but this is what a lot of people don't seem to understand. I feel right. fine, but you don't know until we can test you if you are fine. It's insidious. Right. So, sorry, I didn't mean to go off on that. So, so, <laughs> so in-store self-ordering, though, uh, we're mm-hmm. talking about some no-touch solutions. Do you see that as an issue go, coming yes, up? Yes, and that's actually growing already. So so the 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 growth up until... February was with kiosk ordering. Mm-hmm. It was con- it was convenient. Uh, it allowed the kitchen to stay ahead of the ordering line, but uh, but that was now a, a critical control point. Uh, using restaurant terminology, it was a that was a that's a HACCP problem. That's a hazard analysis critical control point that you you want to avoid because now you would have customers multiple customers touching the same place, which is a potential transmission point. Um, however, a lot of a lot of restaurants have the ability to order in an app or online. The fast food places were first to adopt it. But others, because the because of their the growth of their um, delivery and curbside pickup, now have the ability for you to order in an app from your own phone. So there's nothing now to stop when when stores reopen for sit down customers for them to just order from the app on their phone and get a confirmation number or something like that that they could then. Uh, uh, use so so it would be a completely touch free environment. You know, Brian, we talked last time when you're up, your 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 interview last time with us um, about um, reasons why um, certain food um, doesn't hold up well in a delivery. Isn't that funny? I mean, remember that? And I was like, oh Correct. man. And we're talking about French fries, a lot of French fries, it's horrible. Like yeah, yeah. So what are you doing, sir? 
to ameliorate this, I'd like to know what you're designing so that my French fries that are being delivered are, are, are as tasty and golden and not soggy as they were when they got cut out. So, so what I've got going on is maybe a little more top secret, but I, I, I have heard that uh, some of the large potato manufacturers are actually working on uh, oh, a non-nutritive go. crunch enhancer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's the no. Uh, are working on both the product itself mm-hmm. as well as as packaging. So the the big problem with French fries in particular is moisture, and so so they're they're working to develop packaging that has maybe micro holes or or things to absorb moisture so that that the things stay stay crispy. So my my trick is when I get stuff home, I'll, I'll usually go ahead and, and have the oven preset to, uh, you know, 200 or 250, throw it in there for a few minutes uh, to, to, to crisp things up. That's my that's a personal great idea. thing. But. Yes, but do you see as a part of what Tablecraft is doing, creating, uh, I mean, in I know in another company you develop kind of things like a cambro uh, i'm not saying you invented the cambro but you developed you but you invented <laughs> th- th- things that maintain temperature right. things that help yes and i think there will be a uh there will be a product development boom uh, related to uh on the disposable packaging side upscaling not only upscaling the look and feel because mm-hmm. uh, nicer restaurants want to maintain that brand image so you wouldn't want to eat uh you know it's uh, a mccormick and schmick's meal uh out of a, a styrofoam container right you yeah. you you want something that looks nice at subscale uh but also yes if it can enhance the performance and in a lot of ways mcdonald's arch deluxe was ahead of their <laughs> ahead of their time no, it was the mcdlt where, wasn't it what yeah it keeps you're the hot probably, side hot the cold side yeah cool. exactly and and that some something like that those type of of assemble at home uh, style w- hmm. will be developed more. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I, you and I have discussed in the past the concept that I call toy food, which is uh, is pre uh, all the prep work has been done for a meal kit. And all you have to do is heat and combine. And uh, like a Hello uh, Fresh or something or co- correct. Blue, blue it, but a lot of but a lot. But Many of the meal kits that the traditional meal kits that you would buy at a high end grocery or on those ordering, you actually have to do the prep work. You have to do the slicing chopping. and dicing oh, and yeah. chopping and and you know become a saucier. Uh, this is all done for most of the restaurants, so it's really just a matter of combining and cooking, and uh, and so it's it's easy to do. It all, all the hard work is it has been done for you, and it you know it tastes as good as the as the restaurant. Uh, another real advantage is it allows the the restaurants to keep their keep some of their secrets, their secret sauces, or 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 the the portions of each individual ingredient uh, a secret, so that that you know you could come up with a copycat recipe, but it, it wouldn't be the exact. Uh, exact portions. And again, I'm not asking you to pick winners or losers here, okay? But is there a type of food, a type of cuisine, even a nationality of a cuisine, an ethnicity? Is there a type of food that just doesn't lend itself well, in your opinion, to curbside or delivery? So for for me, I I really think of of the high end steak and seafood, mm. just because. 
so much of it is experiential yeah. personally. So if I, if I'm spending, you know, I don't know, it could be eighty to a hundred dollars per person for a, a a full meal experience, including a a, a wine and appetizer, a, a main course. I don't want to eat it out of a to-go container. Yeah, uh, and, and so much of it really deteriorates very quickly from the time it's prepared. You know, if you don't get it to the table in a matter of a couple of minutes, you know, even under a you know, under a heat lamp, it'll last maybe a little longer. Then, then the experience is kind of ruined. The crispness on the outside of a of a, of a you know baked crust on a on a, on a seafood dish, or mm. you know those type of things. Just it goes from worth a hundred dollars to worth fifteen dollars really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in that environment, I would say that is going to be harder. To translate, so the the response to that would be uh, the growth of ghost kitchens that are closer to the point of purchase and dining mm-hmm. is going to help somewhat, so that that time from from when it leaves the restaurant to it arriving on a doorstep is is shortened dramatically, uh, or they're going to have to respond with. Um, uh, more meal kit type environment. So, well, that leads me into I want to I want to talk a little bit about operators here. Uh, I'm sure there maybe we'll get some operators listeners here. Um, I know for a fact a few people in the industry uh, on that level are, are listen. But so I, I'll lead into that. I'll, I'll bridge between um, the consumer side to operators. With um, that said, it's interesting. You talk about how steaks and steaks are experiential, but also you get a steak cooked, and you don't want to cut into a steak right away. You want to let it rest, but you don't want to let it rest in a styrofoam container for for, for ten minutes or twenty minutes, right? So, exactly. So, mm-hmm. so this is there's two things here. Um, Texas Roadhouse mm-hmm. has offered to let you just buy the steaks and grill them at home, and I did that. I had a gift card to Texas Roadhouse. We'd had for for years. We like going there, but it's always so yeah. packed. We just never sure. went uh, very often. So we had like seventy five bucks worth of meat and and baked potatoes that we could buy. So we bought like six baked potatoes and a selection of meats and called ahead. Drove up, picked it up safely, securely, smile on their face, tipped them well, and went home. And I grilled up some massively good steaks. Not as good as they'd make them, but I got to be honest, sure. damn close. So, but I was going to say about that, there's two things. So that's an example of an operator going, crap, we can either just fold up our tent and not pay our people. And I believe their CEO even has forgone his pay. He's These are good people, obviously. <laughs> but that's a way of like going, okay, what what do we have? There's a lot of brands like Panera, I think. They're trying to be like a grocery store in a way, right? They can- Co- correct. Yeah. So so there, there was one uh, challenge that was revealed almost Im- immediately. And we, we, you know, we talk about the, the toilet paper, but now we're talking about groceries, milk and eggs that are spoiling and, and produce that's being tilled under yeah. because the groceries were in the wrong form. So so the grocery stores didn't have eggs, but the commercial you could you could you could go to a a commercial distributor and buy six dozen eggs extremely easily. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't get one dozen eggs. And so, so kind of bridging that gap, just as a, as a, as a, as a benchmark, up until February, about fifty percent of food dollars were spent in the grocery store and fifty percent in a restaurant. That's changed dramatically, but it left us kind of in the in the lurch, where grocery stores didn't have enough stuff and restaurants had 
too much. So as a way to make a little bit of money, but also fill a, a really a, a gap in the distribution channel, a, a number of chains, just as you said, became kind of mini grocery stores and offered the the products that they are they have anyway in they would break them down into smaller forms so california pizza kitchen is another one that has a kind of mini grocery store and that may become a permanent addition mm-hmm. to to a, a number of the restaurant chains if you want to yeah if you want to buy like you know half a dozen eggs or something like that which in you know suburbia I'm a mile away from a grocery store, so it's not it's not a big deal for me to run to the grocery store. But if for, you want to go to the grocery store, if you want to go to the grocery store, which I but will for, not. But for but for you know someone in an urban area, that may be a a huge uh, convenience that they're worth uh, you know that for them is worth worth doing. Saves them an extra trip. You know, another thing that you hear a lot is for lo- for local and sizable restaurants and chains is buy support them not only by buying food, but you can't eat out every day. You can't deliver, but buy a gift mm-hmm. card. Well, a good friend of mine, Bob, who's been on the show, he he bought some as gifts to his, his college age kids, some gift cards. I won't say from where, but he tweeted about this, and then mm-hmm. the restaurants said, "Oh yeah, thanks for buying those, but you can't use those until the pandemic's over." Hmm. Now, I, don't... I think that's that's rare. Okay, that I would I would call that a, an an exception. Most are are if they're offering delivery that they are you know underserved based on their capacity at this point. So so most I would say would gladly accept that. And then a lot are doing philanthropic things. There two ways. One, you can get online. Uh, at least in in my area, you can get online and buy a meal that's going to be delivered to a uh, a first responder or a hospital, and they'll have days that for specific hospitals or for specific uh, uh, locations, and you could spend you know anywhere from ten to fifteen bucks to buy uh, to pay ahead for a meal for someone, uh, and then uh, there are a, a number of restaurants that just out of the kindness of their heart are giving uh, philanthropically to first responders as well, right. and so they'll they'll take a you know a hundred uh, you know bowls of ramen and and take them to a local hospital, arrange that and and have it delivered, and so so they're just doing what they can given uh, the fact that they do have extra space, extra time. Uh, available to do those things, and and it's kind of paying it forward. They right. they're just hoping that when things return to a sense of normalcy, that that people will remember that when they're making a restaurant choice. Right, right. I just uh, did a, a previous episode with uh, Carrie Kirkpatrick from a Houston-based um, uh, CP, uh, CPK group, and uh, did I say that right? It's CKP. She's going to kill me if she's listening. And uh, they were talking about how, uh, we were talking about how, like, McDonald's, has, they donated buns to um, a, a charity outfit that, that for kids' meals, because kids are out of school, and there's a lot of kids who sure. don't get a, That was their only good meal, and all that kind of And then I just chimed in with a McDonald's here just this morning. I watched, uh, they backed a semi-truck up to our largest food bank, and 
just boxes of, of beef patties, you know? Sure. So people are going to remember that behavior, um, but they will also remember the store or the restaurant that said, yeah, thanks for buying the gift card, but we're not going to honor it until uh, we're open again. Right. You know, right. which is. And, and then there's a lot that are kind of stuck in the middle. They, uh, they applied for the PPP, yeah. but, but they, but they're just forced because of traffic. You know, if you have a 90% drop in traffic, you can't keep a store open. You can hardly pay the rent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so f- in that environment, they're going to close temporarily. And then hopefully when things things come back, they'll they'll open back up and, and uh, you know, and hopefully be able to get back their good, good staff members. But, uh, uh, but it's, it's going to take some time. Let's talk a little bit about your sector now, manufacturing. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, if I ask something that's proprietary, of course you'll shut me down on that. But sure. And, and I don't. And I, I just looking at Tablecraft and what you're doing. <clears throat> do me a favor, and I mean just briefly, walk me through supply chain for for you first of all, and then and then okay. let's talk a little bit about how that's been affected. Okay. Typical so, supply chain. So, so for for us, because you know we're. Uh, a portion of our products, uh, almost 30%, come from overseas. So a number of the products that we distribute, uh, the, that supply chain was at least temporarily uh, slowed down because of activities that were happening overseas, uh, completely out of our control. So, so things coming from China, Malaysia, now India. I, I mean, we were in a, a great inventory position with those so so it didn't create any uh any disruptions but that's that's a portion uh we then have domestic suppliers um most of the domestic suppliers and us are considered essential employees Uh, our businesses will remain open because we're supplying the restaurant industry and supplying you know the food service industry which is uh which is essential so so we're our, our manufacturers can continue to manufacture for us we we can th- continue to make things we can continue to distribute things uh in the industry so uh so really the 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 biggest impact for us is is on the demand side but just as a refresher either contract manufacturer or contract manufacturer products they come to us we sell to distributors and then those distributors will sell to the restaurants and the public uh, the public might see the tablecraft brand in in certain retail establishments as well correct so we have a separate separate arm that sells to large you know department stores some of those are impacted negatively and are you know kind of closing their doors temporarily uh, but then there's a number of online stores that uh, that we still sell to names like Amazon etc yeah now part of your job and we talked about this again in your previous interview involved not only trade shows which have all been canceled for the near future I mean the massive mm-hmm. one in Chicago uh, NRA Right, National mm-hmm. Restaurant Association. That one was canceled. Yeah, not the gun people. Not the gun people. No, <laughs> no, they wouldn't cancel that. NAFM is that? Was that? Did they have a show? NAFM is uh, that was that one is every other year. So this is a non-NAFM year, but uh, but the big restaurant show was canceled. So and- NAFM is North American Food Equipment Manufacturers. So it's basically all the people in the industry except for the people who make food. And then the restaurant association includes the food. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and I've been to the NRA conference, as as you know, and uh, it's 
it's a big, it fills up the entire McCormick, right? The, the whole thing. Correct. Yes. It's massive. And gosh, all the cooking and the smells and the people. And the, it's like going to Vegas because it's just sensory overload. But anyway, I digress. But you also would take regular annual or twice annual trips to China to meet with correct. manufacturers, correct? And now, when was yes. the last time you went to China? And how does that typically look? Is, <laughs> is that typically like a two week deal? And then. It's uh, usually, yeah, close to two weeks, and and it will include sometimes include a trip to Hong Kong. I'll s- sometimes start there because there's a trade show there that includes vendors, non-Chinese vendors mm-hmm. from primarily Asia, but uh, uh, and then uh, have a sourcing office in in China. We'll go, you know, spend some time there, and then uh, and then attend the. Uh, a big show they call it the Canton Fair. It's the China Import Export Show, and that that's a twice a year uh, exposition. Uh, and then visit vendors. So the last time I did it was last spring, and and of course my spring trip this year was was canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, that entire show was canceled, uh, and then in in the fall I'm assuming that that will be. Uh, that that will be postponed as well, barring you know it, in, unless a uh, you know some kind of magic cure comes uh, comes along, but but based on FDA's testing protocols, yeah, I, I like you. I'm thinking it's probably at the earliest will be next year before something will be, uh, you know, a vaccine would be approved. So, had you been to Wuhan? Uh, I've been in that area before so yes yes so yeah i've been as far north as beijing and as far south as as uh, shenzhen all primarily in the eastern portion of the of the country and i am not being funny but had you ever been to a wet market had you ever seen that oh sure sure and there are there are actually uh you know wet market restaurants in guangzhou where you can pick uh yeah you know it's primarily seafood where where it's it looks almost like an aquarium <laughs> and you walk in and you choose what fish you want for dinner and they you know kind of like we have a lobster tank lobster sure but but for them it would be all types um, but then there will occasionally be the more exotic selections where there will be uh, you know snakes or insects or or uh, you know those type of things crocodile. Oh my! Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Bats, apparently, but uh, yes, um, that's just fascinating. And I, well, I know you appreciate uh, Asian culture and food. And, oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. always chasing. Uh, what is it you say? I'm always chasing. Well, so that's that's Japanese, the perfect bowl of ramen. But uh, but I love, I, and I'm fortunate. I have a uh, uh, a Chinese owned traditional Chinese uh, restaurant that's very nice in my. Uh, uh, in my local community, and and I, I I love to frequent there. I'm I'm a very I like the spicy uh, Sichuanese mm. style, and and uh, hard to find in a Panda Express or or a you know more Americanized Chinese uh, restaurant. Are you single handedly keeping that restaurant open right now? <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying. <laughs> okay, before we wrap up, and this has been very helpful. I'd love to look at the horizon with you. And uh, we will sure. not hold this against you. But yeah. where is it going? Where do you see things by Christmas? Where do you... Okay, how about this? Where do you see things by, by Halloween, by Christmas, and then by this time next year? Where do you see things going? 
Interesting. In well, well, I would say first, we talked briefly about packaging, but there will be a wave of new product development and and changes uh, that that become permanent in in the restaurant industry. I mean, we didn't even talk about buffets. Oh, uh, so, uh, so, please tell me those so, are over forever. But not necessarily. I mean, you think of a breakfast buffet in a hotel. There will be some sort of buffet will will continue to exist. Now it may be much more uh, pre-packaged. Uh, it may become uh, employee assisted, which is what I think will probably be a, a transition time. I think that will happen both there and at the the hot bar and cold bars at the larger grocery stores mm -hmm. that will, as opposed to that going away because that was a huge profit and right. it gave people a variety and selection and, and uh, ease of use. But instead of having that go away, which is where it is today, I think it will just become, it, it'll become employee assisted where there'll be a, some sort of shield between the person and the food and they'll have to select it. But there's going to be a range of products required in order to support that, to make that work. I just want the world's largest sneeze guard between <laughs> the food and the public. There will be plenty of those. Um, right. There's also some uh, uh, antimicrobial uh, products. That so any kind of touch environment where t you know touching by more than one person is, uh, of s the same thing is required that uh, that there will be antimicrobial agents added to things like microban or there's a silver ion technology and and uh, triclosan there's a number of these antimicrobials so if you're touching a spoon that has that or touching a door handle or uh, you know those type of things. They're, they'll be treated with this, which will uh, inhibit, doesn't, it, you know, it, it would never replace good hand sanitation, never replace good food safety, it never replace good, uh, uh, you know, just good hygiene practices. But, but it's a, it just another barrier there, that, uh, another level of protection. Um, so you'll have, have some of those things, but, but then, you know, just uh, on the, on the warning side, just, uh, on the notification side and just, uh, as I mentioned before, there's going to be a lot of products that were very popular on the, uh, hospital and healthcare side that are going to migrate to this environment as well. So you mentioned, taking people's temperature. Maybe that will happen. I, I, I don't know if uh, where HIPAA and privacy and all that, you know, where that line becomes. Um, it, it will probably happen with employees for sure. Right. Oh, well, it should, uh, yeah. yeah. Pre pretty sure of that. But then, yeah, masking, gloves, shields, barriers, separations, lines on the floor so people mm -hmm. understand what six foot yeah. looks like. Well, there's a lot of jokes we can make right now about how a lot of men don't know the difference between. So anyway, I won't yeah. say it. Yes. Something um, but, like that. So, you, do you know what sticks out of me? And, and I'm, I, again, I know you're in the industry and I'm not asking you to pass judgment, but I, I mean, as I will say this, I just don't see things like Chuck E. Cheese making it. Uh, there will be a lot that are, that are have serious problems. You are absolutely right, but but some will adapt as well. So so there may be 
something new that replaces it that that is a more safe environment. So so there there will be something will happen. You know, it, people want to be entertained. They want a place to take their kids. They want a place to have birthday parties. So so something will fill that gap. Uh, they'll just have to find better ways to to do it as safely as possible. And and they will. They'll well, figure it out. I think if I hear you correctly, as we wrap up here, it's mm-hmm. it, adapt or die. And I, I I don't mean that in a funny way, but as a business, adapt sure. or you're or you're done. Is that correct? Cor- yeah, ab- absolutely. And and you know, you asked me to kind of do some vision casting through. I would say in in the summer months, I, some some places are going to want to open, uh, just because. It, this is their, you know, their livelihood. They mm-hmm. they want to, to, you know, if they're an owner, they want to do the thing that gives them joy. It gives them pleasure to to create food, to to serve others. You know, so so at, at some point things will begin to open up. Will there be regional challenges? Very likely, and I and and then I think the really populous areas are going to be have a lot of restrictions until a until a vaccine comes out. So, so it, you know, I think it'll open up a bit in the summer because people can kind of spread out and eat outside, uh, and then as we get into the cooler fall months, you know, we want to avoid what happened in the uh, great flu pandemic of. 1917, 1918, which is everyone got this false sense of security, and then uh, October happened, and and it, it just exploded, and there were more deaths there than there were during the original. That's my past big fear. So, people are so impatient as it is, and I don't. And by the way, when I, I I'm not impatient with people who feel impatient, but I'm just very concerned. Having being a student of history and understanding mm-hmm. this. People are going to rightfully want to just say, oh, hell with this. I'm done with this. I'm tired of being inside. I understand that. But you could very well buy, you could, if you're reckless, you could very well see the same thing you're talking about, a repeat of the Spanish flu. Um, And I, okay, last, last question. And this is a forecasting Mm -hmm. question. Let's say the vaccine herd mentality, herd mentality, herd immunity gets in there. (laughs) Although we're dealing with herd mentality a lot too. We got Uh, got a little bit of both of those. Yeah. Uh, Let's say, let's say, let's say by this time, Next year, they're announcing mm-hmm. a, a vaccine and they're going to mass production and, and we're going to. So assuming that happens, let's say that we got this beat. It's it's just, it's mm-hmm. going to become more or less like the flu is now, right? There'll be different strains, but we got a vaccine that can or we can at least mitigate it, knock it down pretty good. Um, right. Do you see it? Do you think see things going completely back to normal? Because I think there's I'll just interrupt real quick and just say I think there's one benefit that's going to going to last. And that's hygiene. Mm-hmm. I, I fear that our our memories are very short as a, yeah. <laughs> as a country. So 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 in a lot of ways, I think we will we will flock to some sort of back to normal mentality. Mm-hmm. I, I would say in the industry, the, there will be some long-term impacts. So as you mentioned, some restaurants will close, but you know, but there are right behind it. There will be some uh, aspiring restaurant tours that will, will be right on their heels. Long-term will 
airline seating and restaurant seating be a little further apart? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what will happen to the cruise industry and, and, uh, what, what will happen to the hospitality industry in, in general and to, uh, casino buffets, it remains to be seen, but I, I mean, my guess is some of those things are going to change, uh, permanently mm-hmm. because I, I, but because we, we've seen it happen, you know, every five years or so, five to 10 years, something big has happened. So we, we, I think as we'll try and be in a better position for the next time something like this comes up. That but. sounds great. You're on the front lines there because you are essential and you as an industry are keeping us fed. And more importantly, though, I think you're working in an industry. Well, it's it's most important to be fed, obviously, but but as importantly, you are providing comfort. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had some bad days and my wife is just like, you know what? We're going to get delivery from so-and-so. We're going to get this. And, 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 you know, it was sure. just, we got that food and it took me back to a good place. It's kind of like, you know, smelling uh, cookies that remind you of your grandma, you know? <laughs> right. So- a- a- absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, we all have hard days. I mean, you've got you know, parents trying to homeschool. God, when this is over, teachers need to get all of them need to get a huge raise. Damn right. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, you make it through the day, and and people are are posting. They you know they don't remember what day it is. I think uh, mm-hmm. some of the news programs are posting. Hey, you know, just in case you've forgotten, <laughs> today is uh, today's Wednesday or Thursday or whatever the day is, and and so yeah, this is a nice something to look forward to if you're doing it, you know, once a week or you know. At, couple times a week or once every two weeks, whatever that is, it's, yeah, it's a nice thing to look forward to, yeah. uh, just as people are doing, uh, virtual happy hours and people, people are doing those type of things. It's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's a nice break from the monotony because it, yeah, it, it, it is tough when you're kind of stuck at, stuck at home. It is Brian Hutton. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for, again, look at this. We we went longer than we anticipated, but I think it's fascinating <laughs> and good information. And I really appreciate you coming back here on the show. And uh, I'm, sure. I'm sure we'll have you back by popular demand. We'll see if, the, if this one tops the last one on downloads. Um, All right. I'd love that. And to you, listeners, thanks so much. And I know that uh, there are times when you turn to a podcast for information about COVID and things like that. And there's times when you turn to a podcast to not hear about it. So I hope I kind of walked straddle the line between both on this episode, because you know what? We all care about our food. We all care about getting back to normal. And to me, that's why Brian was somebody I definitely want to have back on the show. And I'm really glad. And I hope you appreciated uh, his insights. I think that they were things that we all need to hear and all need to think about um, as we move forward. And so I look forward to that. And of course, remember, if you really need a total escape, you can find the John Pilot Mysteries on Amazon.com or go to MGOPod.com and order paperbacks autographed and personalized by yours truly, mgopod.com. Links will be in the show notes, and I'm going to include a link to Brian's previous episode, The Restaurant's Invisible Man. By the way, I hope you enjoyed our new theme song. That is written by Jamie Green, guitarist, lead uh, guitarist for Thunder Jacket, a great band here in Kansas City. He's also obviously a composer, and he is great at composing uh, 
music just like that for your podcast or your show or those kinds of things. Get a hold of me through mgopod.com if you'd like more information on how to get a hold of Jamie. But thanks, Jamie, for this wonderful, atmospheric, new mysterious goings on theme an original theme i didn't just have to go find it somewhere in royalty free music i've i've always loved uh the theme music i picked before but this is super special so uh big thanks to jamie green who by the way did an episode of this show recently too and uh on creativity because he is a environmental lobbyist by day and band leader by night and i know he's itching to get back and play somewhere anywhere besides his basement so anyway uh check out the show notes on that and until next time Keep reading. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed, and together, we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.